1: Hey, Burnt Toast podcast fans, a note about this episode. It has a couple of audio issues, specifically at a couple of points. If you hear an FM radio playing faintly in the background, that's not your imagination. You're not going crazy. It's just a problem with the audio. But the rest of the episode is great, and we're not going to let a little pop music stop us from bringing you another great episode of the Burnt Toast podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm addicted to coffee. Coffee that tastes bad, tastes less bad when it's cold. Should we
2: start by tasting some coffee? I think
0: it tastes uh, really burnt and funky, but not good funky. I don't think it's like like fun funky. You do what everybody does with their coffee all the time, and that's that you add milk and sugar. Because it's fat and sugar, and that's good. I mean, milk and sugar, cream and sugar, taste good no matter what.
3: Hi, and welcome to Burnt Toast from food52.com. A podcast about what we all talk about around the stove, at the water cooler, in the office. It's what doesn't make it on the website, but what we're all talking about otherwise. I'm Meryl Stubbs, co-founder and president of Food52, and I'm here with our managing editor, Kenzie Wilbur. Hi. Hey, Kenzie. And our special guests today are Michael Hoffman, who is a developer and project manager at Food52, and our resident coffee lover. (laughs) You're a lover, not a fighter, Michael. (laughs) Thanks for coming. (laughs) Happy to be here. And we also have Oliver Strand, who is one of our favorite food writers and a definite coffee expert, aficionado, author, et cetera. food lover and lover.
0: <laughs> Thank you for having me here.
3: Thanks for coming. And today we're going to talk about surprise surprise coffee. Should we start by tasting some coffee?
2: That's a great idea. So we brought some coffee in with us for Oliver. (laughs) Oliver just got off of a long flight, so we thought he might be tired. And so we um, swung by the local McDonald's to get a cup of their specialty. What do you think this is? Do you think this is Chemex?
0: You mean the black coffee in the in the styrofoam? (laughs) Yeah, whatever the modern version of styrofoam is. Probably not.
2: Should we taste it? You want to taste that while I taste the frap?
0: I have to say, I I like that this is the coffee that you picked up on the way here, because there are. (laughs) Many places in Manhattan to get coffee, and many places within a couple of blocks.
3: Only the best for you, but that wouldn't have been fun, Oliver, at all. Hmm. If We'd gone to one of those places.
0: Yeah, I guess it's a definition of fun. But no, this is super <laughs> fun. This is cool.
3: It's fun for me and
2: Michael. I think we get to watch you guys. Yeah. So what do we think? What, what's the what's the verdict?
0: I've had a series of conversations with coffee traders in the last few weeks, actually. Um, you know, and they deal with very good coffees, but part of their job is that they also deal with really bad coffees and and i think about that i think about like how many bad coffees you taste because you trade everything like you don't not sell a coffee like you sell all your coffee you sell the good stuff and you sell the bad stuff so you've got <laughs> this cup of mcdonald's coffee and it just makes me think of that i think it's awful i mean i just think it's absolutely awful no but- tasting notes um, I think it tastes, uh, really burnt and funky, but not good funky. I don't think it's, like, like, fun funky, like...
2: Not, like, good barnyard i I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I, this is better than I thought it was gonna be.
0: It's, it's well-made. I'll say that. Yeah. I think that it's well-extracted. It's not over-extracted, you know, so it doesn't have those kind of, uh, harsh, bitter notes. It's not up-dosed, you know, so, so it's not too dense. It's actually pretty well-made. That's but...
1: actually drinkable. That's, like, I mean... It's it's not it's not doesn't taste awful it goes down
0: can we can we say it's sippable sure I think you had a sip I think we're all taking sips
3: yeah we are
1: I imagine that if you went to a McDonald's elsewhere in the country you might get something that's very very similar to that cup and that is impressive to me. Yeah, I bet, I bet you. It's I bet you. It's a really uniform product.
0: You know, I, I'll be honest. When I'm in Paris, I'll go to a McDonald's and get coffee uh, because the McDonald's coffee in Paris is actually quite decent, and they put it in little ceramic cups. And
1: what accounts for that?
0: The coffee in France in general is quite bad. You know, with a few notable exceptions. So the the coffee at McDonald's is comparable to a lot of what you'll you'll find it other places it's just a lot easier to buy and um, they've made a real push to make the the, the mick cafes their pleasant experiences you know so it's like it's standalone there's like a barista the machines are real you can get a uh, salted caramel Macaron, you can you know <laughs> of it, you can. <laughs> it comes on a little tray and it's it's it's, it's a really kind of a t- is that a macaron or a macaron?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mac- oh, m- macaron.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, it's good it's actually really not that bad
2: so i want to get back to this coffee just for one second is do you have any tricks for making a really crappy cup of coffee better like you're in a train station it's you know six in the morning you're super tired you have one option like how do you re- how do you fix how do you doctor up a crappy cup of coffee
0: you do what everybody does with their coffee all the time, and that's that you add milk and sugar because it's fat and sugar, and that's good. I mean, milk and sugar, cream and sugar taste good no matter what. That's ice cream, it's pudding, it's creme brulee, like, like it's the base of kind of half of the dessert. So if you have coffee that's not good and you put pudding in that coffee, it's going to taste better <laughs> than the coffee without, without the pudding. Simple, simple yeah. logic. So, so I always drink my coffee black because I want to taste the coffee. When I don't want to taste the coffee, I put in milk and sugar. That makes me a snob or a geek or a nerd because many people put in cream and sugar just as a matter of course. That's, that's what they do with mm-hmm. their coffee. But I don't. I, I drink my coffee black. And when I know... when I know it's not going to be good, when I see like the danger lights flashing, you know, so like this morning at the airport in Copenhagen, I was woke up in Co- in Copenhagen this morning and I took a very early flight. It was a 6 a.m. flight. So when you're at the Copenhagen airport at 4.30 a.m., you're probably not going to get, you know, the greatest coffee of your life. So as the coffee's coming out of the machine, I grab a sugar packet and that's my that's my big trick, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Add some sugar, and it's probably going to taste a little better out. than without the sugar. One
1: approach that I take when I am i know I'm going to have coffee that I'm not going to want to drink black is that I get iced coffee. I also put milk in it, but I find that coffee that tastes bad tastes less bad when it's cold sometimes. And hmm. I, I try to avoid—I don't like putting sugar in. i, I if, if it's coffee, I don't like very much. I'll put milk in or cream. Right. And then if it's a dire situation and it's really, really bad, I might put sugar in. Ice coffee is my, my go-to.
2: I think it's the extremes in temperature, right? I think, Oliver, you told me this one time, that when coffee is super hot, it's harder to taste yeah. what's actually in it. Um, so if it's super hot or super cold, like a lot can get past you.
1: Right, and if you have a hot cup of coffee, it's going to creep down towards your body temperature and you're going to start to really taste it. Whereas with iced coffee, at least with me, I can, I can suck it all down before it gets... Uh, warm enough for Before me to ice for me to realize what I'm drinking.
0: Yeah, exactly. The closer to body temperature the more taste uh, you'll be able to register and perceive. You know, so like with ice cream again, if it's like super hard, so hard that you can't put a spoon into it, you're not going to taste a lot of that. But as it warms up, you know, you taste more of it. And if you're making ice cream and and you go and taste the I guess the custard, it's always way too sweet. But then when it's cold and frozen,
3: it's perfect.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
3: it's funny. I I always knew that that, you know, that the extremes were not where you get the most flavor. But I never knew about the body temperature piece, which makes total sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay, so our coffee is the right temperature. We're drinking good coffee.
2: What what makes it good? We're
0: drinking good coffee, like in our our imagination, our dreams, in yeah, our imaginations. I'm not, like I'm not, take okay. take yourself there. Okay. All right. So. What, what I like to taste in coffee is what is unusual about about that coffee, but then again you know i 'm a coffee nerd, so I buy expensive coffees that are from particular farms or from small lots within that particular farm and the The, the point of these coffees is for them to be as unique as possible, and uh, what's prized within coffee is um, a lot of bright notes and acidity you know so if you have what they call a high grown coffee so high altitude high quality dense coffee when you brew it and you brew it well it's going to taste kind of like a juice like a plum juice or like an apricot juice or maybe like lemonade or something like that it's going to taste more like a juice than like some dark roasted drink
3: i'm curious oliver about sort of coffee versus wine in terms of like is there ever a time where you just want a coffee that's going to taste not as interesting because you just want it to be drinkable. The way you would maybe look for like a drinkable wine if you're if you're having a meal and not be so concerned. You may not want something that's actually going to be super unusual. Yeah. Is that ever part of your mo, or are you just past that?
0: Like like if you want if you want a, a less complicated experience exactly. at time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. For soothing, but I would say <laughs> that like you know when you want that porch wine. You want it to be a good porch wine. Yes. You know, you don't want it to be sugar water with some some alcohol. Like, you want it to be like a rosé. You think, ah, this is a nice rosé. It's not a rosé that you're going to, like, you know, write a prose poem about, but you want for it to be better than the box wine, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you get at a, a bar that is not known for its wine. So I, I feel that about coffee. Yeah, like, at times I don't want to overthink it. At times I just want a nice coffee. But, you know... Y- once, you, once you're exposed to things that, that have flavors that you didn't really find before, once you realize that those exist, it's kind of hard to go back. I bet everybody at this table probably spends a lot of money on their chickens, and you buy them like at, at butchers that are hard to get to. And instead of buying a chicken for $6, you're buying a chicken for $18. We all know the reasons why because now we understand what goes into the husbandry of these of these animals and the feed and the hormones and it's also the flavor and that whole idea like if you spend eighteen dollars on a chicken and you roast it well, it's a really nice chicken and then you have like a you know like a, a mass market chicken that's just not as good anymore so if if I'm at a bar and I get like a fried chicken sandwich and it's like a commodity chicken, I'm not gonna be like, no, no no, I'm not going to have this chicken. I'm going you're gonna to go and eat it. you're gonna put a lot of hot sauce on it and you're gonna eat it but would I go out and buy a commodity ch- chicken and roast it and say, wow, this is great? Like, I wouldn't. So, so yeah, I mean, it's this its this curse, right? It's the curse of good taste.
1: That's a great analogy with a chicken, but I think there's also this disanalogy between coffee and food where, like, I don't know about you, but I'm addicted to coffee. L- literally so, and it's an addiction that our society supports, and, you know, there's we can make an aesthetic pursuit out of it. It's great. Right. But sometimes... Every day, I need coffee, and sometimes I'm not in a place to get great coffee. Whereas with with food, I feel like you, yes, you have to eat, but you have more flexibility about, you know, well, I'm the, I'm at an event, the food is not to my taste, I'm not going to eat here. You have access to wonderful coffees, and you get to drink them a lot. But sometimes you do have desperation coffee. So I, I think that that's why that's an interesting topic. Um,
0: well, so, yeah. so, so you asked us, like, what what is the desperation coffee? Like, What's the
2: most desperate cup of coffee yeah, you've yeah, ever had? Yeah, I,
0: mean, I mean, that's really easy.
2: <laughs> Go uh, ahead, tell us
0: yours. Yeah,
3: and we're all on the edge of our seats.
0: I drink tea. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out a tea bag, have some really nice Earl Grey. It's delicious. <laughs> and then, you know, later on when I make it to the Oasis, I... I can have my coffee again. So that's my answer. And 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 I suggest that everybody who really loves coffee, and you're worried about a day when you might not have a good coffee, you know, just take a little tea bag and put it in your wallet, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I carry <laughs> a ziplock of tea bags actually with me at all times. There you go. Is that your desperation coffee, though? No, yeah, Meryl. What is your no, desperation coffee? No, it's my. I won't drink inferior tea ever. Mm. Bag. That's what it is. Nice. It's totally different. Nice. But you can carry it with you the way you can't really. But yeah. And then
0: all you need is hot water. Yeah. And some kind of cup that won't melt too easily.
3: Exactly. Instant coffee. DIY. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Michael, do you have
2: a desperate cup of coffee?
1: Uh, yeah. Mine's mine's a little bit more embarrassing. Um, So I have a small child and she's almost two. And when she was born, we sort of switched up our morning coffee routine, my wife and I. We used to make a Chemex every morning. And now we have a great automatic brewer, Bonavita brewer. Actually, we sell it on Food 52 Plug, and, plug, plug. Yeah, <laughs> and we have a we have a dosing grinder that that we have it set to the the weight we want, so it's really easy. It's great. So we have pretty good coffee in the morning without much effort. Mm-hmm. But some some mornings it's happened that we were out of beans, and maybe there's maybe there's half a pot left in that in that carafe from from the day before, and I don't I don't know if my wife even knows this, but I've I've definitely gone to that day old. Coffee. It's not on a burner or anything. It's in a thermal <laughs> Right. I'm we're not all an
2: we're all nodding in the you studio all now. Face right now. <laughs>
1: but what I do is going back to the, I I get a cup of ice and I pour it over ice and I drink that. Maybe usually with milk in it. And that that's that's my embarrassing desperation coffee.
2: Cool. I gotta say that's mine too. Yesterday's. Wow. Yesterday's microwaved. It? Yeah, it's disgusting. But I mean sometimes. No, I don't. I
1: don't, I, I don't microwave it. I just yeah do it cold. But. It's nose oh, okay.
3: to tail. You're not wasting any nose to tail. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, as 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 a father of a two year old, I mean my my. I I experienced that that also, but like with food, I mean, how many times have my, has my lunch been like the little piece of avocado that my son has decided he's no longer (laughs) interested in, you know, so I totally understand that. But I would put that in that category. I I put it like, you know, in the, in the same classification as foraging from your child's uh, high chair, which I do daily, (laughs) every day. How else am I going to eat my oatmeal?
2: So, Oliver, how do you brew coffee every morning? Do you have a routine that you stick to? Do you have equipment that you use every single time? Do you switch it up?
0: I switch it up. Every morning I have two cups of coffee. That's it. I might have another one late morning. I might have one after lunch. But it's usually two cups a day. There's a coffee savant named Mike White who once said, you love the method that you love. So whatever you're brewing with and it's going well, like you should go and stick with it. So if you have a Chemex and you're using the Chemex and it's tasting good, then, then you stick with it until at some point, like you and the Chemex, just... Have lost that. that you start magic. to grow apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, which which happens. You'll get back to the chemex later on. So, it's kind of like having a favorite pair of jeans, and you just kind of you go with the jeans, and you find that you're wearing the jeans like three or four times a week, as long as they don't stink. It's cool. You can do that.
1: When, when you say you have two cups of coffee in the morning, Oliver, mm-hmm. um, is it is it how big is a cup of coffee?
0: Between like seven and eight ounces or so. So so like two servings of coffee.
2: So a know. little bit a little bit smaller than our macaffe frappuccino
0: yeah yeah I mean size is, is one of the biggest uh, distinctions between high-quality coffee which actually has an official name it's called specialty coffee it's the trade term specialty coffee so in specialty coffee if you walk into a coffee shop it's a snobby shop then when they make you a cup of coffee it might be six ounces it might be eight ounces it might be 10 ounces it won't be any larger than that but you can't get like 16 ounces you can't get 20 ounces
2: i'm glad you brought that up because i want to talk about snobby coffee shops for a minute and i want to know how we feel about the coffee shop that you order a cortado to go and they say no you have to drink that here
3: are we okay with that no i find it pretentious i i You know, maybe that's judgmental of me to say, but I also feel like it's judgmental of them to not let me experience the coffee that I've paid for the way that I want to. You know, I do think that taste is a very particular thing. And also, especially in this city where everyone has a million things to do all the time, I I just think it's by kind of setting up rules when you're really providing a service for people, you're, you're really you're kind of
0: taking away from uh, it as you as you said that michael put his hands on his hips he actually put his hands <laughs> oh, that's on true. his hips oh, yeah. i don't disagree <laughs> I, I think
1: it's a hard problem though because i think that people who who i mean it, when when there's good faith and the people who run these shops are are nice people there's this like passion and this to uh communicate this experience that they have to their their customers and like educate them and stuff and it and um it's difficult to know how to, to figure out how to do that in a way that's also accommodating to and and hospitable.
0: The customer's always right. I mean, that's the cliche. I mean, that's it's not that that useful of a cliche, but that is subconsciously or not the starting point for a lot of people. And the fact is that coffee shops at this point in in the U.S. the base model is um, a fast food model.
1: The expectations that get set when you walk in are important. If you're being shoved through a line that feels like fast food. Then you don't want to get told you can't have whatever you want in your coffee. Yeah. Whereas if it, if you're getting if you're sitting down and getting presented with a with a setting and a, and a menu and it's a and it's a more restaurant like sit down restaurant like interaction, then maybe maybe you should you know take guidance from the from the cafe or be willing to since the different the expectations that are set are different. I think people react better to that than then with it's just counter service and you're getting told what to do. Yeah.
3: But wait, I want to put something out there because I think this is actually the polar opposite situation of what you'd expect from a restaurant experience. Because I think that the more you spend when you go out for a meal mm-hmm. and the more sort of fine dining the experience is supposed to be, the more actually you are catered to as as the diner and you know i think it's you'd never expect to walk into a tgi fridays and say oh well could you just could you possibly just take you know a piece of fish for me and just do it you know in this particular way that's off the menu Mm -hmm. however there are certain restaurants that you know are are really sort of the tip of the top where you could do that not all. I mean there're certainly places that are much more along the lines of what we're talking about with these coffee bars. But I think that there are a lot of places that really take that sort of customer service piece to them to like the utmost extreme.
0: If it if it works, it works. And I hate to say something so kind of facile and general, but you know, I've I've had multi-course tasting menus. And I just am dying to get out of there. Like, I want to chew my arm off just to get away from the table. And I can't. And I'm stuck. And it's horrible. And there are other times when I have that kind of food, you know, for exactly the same amount of time. And even, like, on paper, it might read ex- exactly the same menu. And it's magic. And I never want it mm-hmm. to end. And I can't believe that it's 1 in the morning. And no, 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 can't we just have a little bit more? It's it's all in the execution. Yeah. And so I've been in these coffee bars that have these rules. And you just think, "Oh, come on!" And then I've been in these coffee bars where the rules are almost invisible because what they do is so good that you just go with it.
2: So the the amount that we've been talking about these, you know, tasting menus has made me made me think about something that the team said we asked we asked around and to see what people would want to know about coffee. And and one question that I got asked I think three or four times was like let's talk about the tea what are the tiers of coffee enjoyment, which I think exists. If you have five dollars and five minutes, what can you get? how like, you know, how good of a cup of coffee can you have? But it illuminated this interesting idea that, you know, n- do you need an excess of time and money to drink good coffee?
0: Yeah, I would probably enjoy co- coffee a lot more if I was like a man of leisure. Like if I if I had a couple of estates to my name and these open-ended days and I could just promenade around the city and go from one coffee bar to another.
1: That's the thing that has changed for me so much now that <laughs> I have like, <laughs> a... coffee dandy.
0: A coffee dandy. That's what comes after a coffee geek. A coffee oh, dandy. <laughs> you, you pass from coffee geek into coffee dandy. <laughs> I'd love to meet the first coffee dandy. Actually, no. I think I already have. I'm not going to say the person's name on the air. I'll send them a but
2: text Michael, later on. You're yeah. saying that that's changed for you.
1: Well, I think that having having five minutes to sit with a cup of coffee and really that's good and really enjoy it and think about it and think about what I what I taste and what it reminds me of and how how it was affected by how it came to be and all that those are the experiences that I have less now that I have less time and ha- and have a kid and I still I still you know do am, am able to drink good coffee relatively frequently but but uh, often it's just like, and sometimes it's, it was 10 minutes and I haven't had any of it yet, you know? Yeah,
0: and at times you get to same, you, you get to drink the same good coffee two days in a row. You just go and stretch <laughs> it out.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you start with good coffee.
0: <laughs> How bad can it be? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of it, it depends on where you are and what's going on. And since, you know, you've plugged your thing, I'll plug my thing. I I contribute to an app put out by the New York Times called The Scoop and there's a coffee function on The Scoop with a map and and listings and I (laughs) update it periodically and
1: I think... It's a great app. I use it all the time. I'm
0: glad you... I I use it. i recommend it. I I use my own app because I don't always remember where, you know... The places are that I write about. But it depends on where you are in in New York, like where you are in town. You're not going to go and cross town for a cup of coffee, so it's nice to go and look around you and see what the three or four spots are and to think, okay, so what am I in the mood for? Do I just want a shot of espresso at the bar? Am I meeting a friend? Am I with my kid? Am I, am I with my friend's kid? Am I with my parents or something like that? Like like there, there are different experiences that, 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 you, that you can have. And I think they're all valid.
2: So we don't have a ton of time left, but I want Meryl to to be able to talk about her Dunkin' That's my Donuts big question. Uh, <laughs> habit, which 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 I know no, it's exists. not my habit actually. Okay, so I'm, you're I'm, not a I'm, fan.
3: No, I'm not, and I'm I am just. It's one of the biggest questions of my life, really, for people who are fans of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I just I know people are completely. The loyalists are, are so adamant about it. And I have never tasted a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee that I liked. And I was so curious about... If that. I'm in
1: an airport, and this is this has happened more than once, and I'm faced with a Starbucks and a Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm going to get a cup of coffee from one of them... Which one? I will go to the Dunkin' Donuts and get an iced coffee. Really? Um, I, with milk, no sugar. I will and too. It, and and I don't have a, r- a real rational explanation. I think I maybe lived in New England for too long, and that like hmm. obsession with... Okay, donuts rubbed off on me. I it's lived didn't in New England off on you. I know you did, for yeah. a
3: long time. Yeah, no, never,
2: never. We were at a tasting. Oliver and I were at a tasting at Counterculture a couple mm-hmm. of years ago now, a while ago. And, or a cupping, excuse me. And there were just, you know... Um, I don't know, 20 coffees and some of the most beautiful coffees. And then you brought a bag of Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a couple of the other local players. There was like La Colombe. I think there was Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Dunkin' Donuts coffee scored better than La Cologne. It wasn't the bottom of the bottom. It was actually a rung up.
0: Dunkin' Donuts, for whatever reason, has, has the reputation as being kind of the junky coffee of preference for specialty coffee people. I've never really t- tasted it. Like, I don't, I've never, I've never agreed with that. Like, I don't, I don't really enjoy it all, all that much. But as I said, like, instead of having crappy coffee, which I guess is what y'all are talking about, like, at airports and moments of desperation and things like that. Honestly, like, just, just get tea. There's so many great teas out there. Tea is harder to mess up. <laughs> I mean, we can go, there's, there's a place up the street, it's called Macy's. We can go and get some Tea, if you'd like afterwards, I'll I'll take you there, oh. and, and, and I'll buy nice you offer. little little travel packs,
2: <laughs> which is a really good place to wrap because now we're all going to leave and go to Macy's and drink some tea. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having for having me on in my my jet lag state. You
3: were yeah, still very enlightening, both of you.
2: And there's more in the cafe coffee if you want it on your
3: way out.
0: That's that's yeah, you might do that, or just go and stop by anyone in the McDonald's outside. And... <laughs>
3: Great. <laughs> So that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Thank you so much for joining us. Our producer is Tim Einenkell. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter address is at food52, and you can email us at editors at food52.com. If you like the show, please tell everyone you know and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you have any stories about coffee or photos, we want to see them and know about them, so Instagram them and hashtag them with F52podcast, and then we'll regram our favorites. For Michael Hoffman, Oliver Strand, and Kenzie Wilbur, I'm Meryl Stubbs. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.